It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk, and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in to the Stink Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evan, and it's the Leftovers episode. We thank you so much for downloading, for sharing, for uh, uh, liking, for what, what else you do? You uh, subscribing. That's what we're looking for, for subscribing to the uh, to the podcast. And this is where we uh, kind of break down all the stuff that maybe didn't get into the broadcast of the game I did last week. Hottest team in football, the Minnesota Vikings, won five straight versus the New Orleans Saints to uh, – Two teams that, uh, you know, were on the uptick because New Orleans had won two in a row. So, great game yesterday, Sunday, calling that game. All apologies to the the Saints, and I, I'm, I'm sure you have some some great stuff to share for Saints fans. But as a, as a, a casual football fan of the league, mm-hmm. this Viking story, this Joshua Dobbs story is is phenomenal. It, it, and, and they've won five in a row, all without Justin Jefferson. Yeah. It's it's incredible. First and foremost, I mean, this is one of those things, and I said this on the broadcast as we uh, did the intro. I was like, hey, listen, if you presented this as a Hollywood script, they'd reject it because it's just, you know, it's unbelievable. He shows up on Wednesday, right? Shows up on Wednesday. This is last Wednesday. Um, and is in the game on Sunday after the first two drives of the offense because Jaron Hall gets concussed. And, like, he knows or has memorized the – the play call sheet, but like the nuance and a lot of the depth of the place, he does not know. As a matter of fact, I'm flying home from Minnesota last night and I, I have to stop in Chicago. I can't get a direct stop in Chicago. I'm about ready to get on the flight. There's Mike Shanahan. So Mike and I sit down and we talk and we're, you know, on the plane, we're talking. And then afterwards we walk out down to the tra- the terminal through the terminal down to the train. And we're talking the whole time. And he's like, it's absolutely unbelievable what Joshua Dobbs has been able to do. Like, the knowledge of, of what's going on. Like, you don't have the depth of knowledge of you've run those type of plays, but you haven't synced them together. And, and you know, so it, it was just – he was just, like, amazed that Dobbs could play the way he's played so far. And then talking to Kevin O'Connell, they're uh, – head coach slash offensive coordinator. Um, I was just talking, like, go take me through what was going on. Well, I, I put the plays on the wristband. Yeah. So he had the plays on the wristband. And about 75% of the, what they do is is a can it, like can it structure or a check with me structure. So you're calling two plays in the huddle. So you're saying, hey, we're going to run, you know, we're going to run this particular play if um, can't, and we're going to can it with this particular play. So we're going to run some pass concept and we're going to can it with uh, 19 Wanda. You know, with a with the potential, and on top of that, it's not only 19 Wanda, but it's got the potential of running a bubble screen if you get off coverage. So you've got you really have three plays that that you're accounting for as the quarterback. And so they break the huddle. And he's like, I'm trying to break the huddle. We're trying to do a little bit more up tempo stuff. Trying to break the huddle about 24. So I have got to the 15 second clock to talk in his ear. So he goes, the the final touchdown is great. The final touchdown of the game last week. Not not just this last game Sunday, but the game last week. I called that game too uh, against Atlanta in Atlanta. They they run a a little uh, a little whip route from a slot receiver named Brandon Powell, and they get what they want. Right, they call the play, they get what they want, and as he's walking up to the huddle, he goes, "Hey, listen," <clears throat> he goes, and he's talking to his quarterback. He goes, "Stop, stop, stop! Listen, just do me a favor. Look to the right." Just look to the right. Just eyeball the safety on the right side. 
He goes, if you do, that it's going to suck that backside defender in a little bit, and that whip route's going to come wide open. So just initially, he goes, I don't even care. Just keep your head over there, and then come back to it. It should be wide open. And then the, but the thing cuts out, right? And so he's walking up the line of scrimmage. He goes, and, and, and O'Connell's telling me the whole time, he's going, look to the right, look to the right, look to the right. Get, get your eyes on the right. And he, so he goes, takes a snap, da-da-da, and he looks to the right. He said, yes. And he turns, and he throws it, and there it is, touchdown on the whip route on the outside, out of the slot. And so it's little things, the nuanced stuff like that. Um, I'll give you another, for instance, like they're walking up and they've got, you know, a, a concept where they have, let's say, curl flat on the front side, right? And so if you get zone on curl flat, you're, you're throwing off the flat defender, right? So the flat defender is going wide with the flat route or the, or the drag, whatever you want to call it, right? So if somebody's coming from you know, either the backfield or the number two position, whatever, and they're running to the flat. And then the outside guy, number one, is running a 12-yard in-cutting route. And what you're doing is you're you're playing off that curl defender or, or that, yeah, that flat defender, excuse me, not the curl defender, but the flat defender who's got to stay leveraged on that flat route, right? And so so he's walking up the huddle and go, hey, curl flat, curl flat. Now, if you get man-to-man, get to the backside where we're running double slants and that inside slant, right? We're going to take that coverage. So think about that outside receiver because that slant should be wide open if they're in man. So as soon as you drop back, you're looking this side. If it's man to man, bam, I'm instantly to the backside throwing the second receiver on the slant. And so that's the kind of conversations they're having as they're breaking the huddle with a guy that can regurgitate the plays, but doesn't actually like he's got a good idea and some of them he hates and some of them he loves. And so he was saying, Kevin O'Connell was telling me on one play, he like, we call a formation, it'd be like doubles right or, you know, or dice right or however you want to call two double receivers. But they always label Justin Jefferson as the X, okay? So when you're in doubles, you've got the Y on the, like doubles right would be, or dice right, Y and the Z doubles right open, you know, Y doubles right would be the Y on the line of scrimmage. Double right open, the Y is out, and you've got the Z, and then you've got like a slot looking formation with the F and the X receiver over here. But he said sometimes we'll call a formation and we'll put the X on this side because we want Justin Jefferson on the strong side, and he's always the X for us. So we just call it. And he goes, Dobbs couldn't comprehend. Like Dobbs was like, no, I don't, I, I don't like. So he said he all those formations. I think they call them. Uh, I don't remember exactly what they call them, but uh, those formations they have a special name. You know, like like let's call it Cinco. And he goes and Dobbs xed out every one of those on the play sheet. Like I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this because he's never been in a system where the X could be on the strong side. The X is always on the weak side. And so for him, his brain didn't that didn't make sense to him. And so. They're, they're drawing it up in the dirt in a timeout. He goes, okay, I want to get in this formation. And Dobbs is like, well, I don't, I don't like that. And he goes, okay, just don't even worry about who's X and who's Z. Just think of it like, think of it like dice right, okay? And, he goes, and then he's like, oh, okay, I, I get, that I can do. And it's just funny how you think about things and the way things go down. But um, just a phenomenal story with Dobbs being there for only – you know, a few a few short days and his ability to do that stuff. I I, I know Dobbs has gained all the attention and, and so much of the credit and deservedly so, but mm-hmm. what about O'Connell's role in all of this? His ability to you know keep his wits about him as all this is unfolding yeah. and still have the presence of mind 
to basically have this running conversation with his quarterback as his quarterback is breaking the huddle, along with everything else that's yeah. going on. I think after having for so yeah. many weeks in Kirk Cousins, a very you know, well, yeah. very familiar relationship out there. Yeah, not only that, but a guy that that has is so buttoned up, has everything memorized. Like Kirk does not need, Kirk does not need a wristband. Right. He's got he's got the everything they run is completely memorized, and he can see the picture in his own mind. So when you call something, he knows exactly what it should look like, how it should go. Um, I you know, to Kevin's credit. He was like, I want no, like in the broadcast, I want no credit. This is not about me. This is about Dobbs and what he's gone through, and which is great. But that, but, but that connection and, and the ability to coach on the fly, yeah. like five straight wins without Justin Jefferson, five straight wins losing Kirk Cousins. They lost Alexander Madison, who they just had traded for with another Achilles tear. Um, Acres. A- yeah, Acres. And then what did I goes out with yeah, the Alexander Madison yeah. went out with the concussion. A- Cam Acres. I'm sorry. Yeah, with the uh, with the Achilles there. Um, this is kind of coach of the year performance. Yeah, it really is. Um, and and Joshua Dobbs. It was so funny because you know talking to Dennis Allen of the Saints, head coach, and he's also you know a, a defensive. He's been a coordinator for a long time. Talked about rush plans. Talked about. Now, every play, um, Joshua Dobbs rushed in the game against Atlanta four times for 61 yards. Um, he, he rushed for an 18-yard touchdown. He rushed for a 22-yard rush on fourth down and seven to keep the game alive in, in crunch time on the last drive of the game uh, for Minnesota. I mean, it was in every, every time he escaped, he escaped to the right either outside of the outside of the pocket or in the B gap on the right hand side. So put a rush plan together and said we're going to shut down this B gap. What does Joshua Jobs do? He starts scrambling to the left and he got out the left several different times and in the first half was exceptional, had a scramble for a touchdown. Um just amazing what they've been able to do and then defensively under Brian Flores um they are incredibly tied together and incredibly aggressive and and I called it the illusion of, of blitz because they bring a lot of pressure but sometimes they bring zone pressure sometimes they bring dog pressure that like it's it's just a different system and I tell you what they're confusing it's really hard when you have that much ability as an offensive player to say hey man Josh Metellus could be playing he could be playing the nickel he could be playing the free safety he could be playing the strong safety oh by the way um you know, Harrison Smith could be playing the nickel. He could be playing the strong safety or the free safety. Oh, by the way, Cam Bynum could be playing. Cameron Bynum could be playing the nickel, could be playing strong. So as a player, when you break the huddle as an offense, you want to be able to go, okay, here's the positions they're in. This is where they are. How do I identify? I want to know where the Mike, the Will, the Sam are. I want to know who's playing strong, who's playing weak. I want to know who's playing the nickel, right? I, I, want, to, I want to know those things based upon our calls on offense, and it's almost like you've got to zone off the calls on offense, meaning, hey, man, we're just going to go to a spot. Who's ever in that spot, we're calling that guy the will. Or who's ever in that spot, we're calling that guy the Mike. And at this play, it could be Daniil Hunter, number 99. The next play, it could be Jordan Hicks, number 58. The next play, it could be Cam Bynum. Number 24. But we've got to just spot call that damn thing. It makes it so, it makes it really so difficult. 
is it sustainable? Because you you've always talked about the idea that in the NFL you really can't get a book on a team unless you have like four games to go back and mm-hmm. look at. There's only been a couple games. What what happens as the Vikings play yeah. a few more games now with Joshua Dobbs? How much do teams start to be able to adjust, and are the Vikings yeah. able to? Well, I, I still yeah. succeed. I thought they adjusted. I thought the Saints adjusted, gave themselves a chance to win. Um, even after Derek Carr got knocked out of that game, Jameis Winston came in through a couple touchdowns um, and, and a couple picks. You know, it was like probably the most Jameis Winston game ever, right? Um, but like they had a chance to win that game, several chances to win that game. That defense, that defense is going to keep them in games, Mike. That defense is going to give them an opportunity. Um, but I thought the Saints made a good adjustment. They started bringing pressure on a consistent basis and bringing pressure from each direction to keep Joshua Dobbs in the pocket and relying on their ability to play man-to-man coverage and play it well. And they did a pretty good job of it, and they really shut down the Minnesota Vikings in the second half, and the defense you know, came to the forefront and actually made some big-time stops when they had to. Um, is it is it sustainable? I will tell you this. Um, he's playing really good. If he can continue to scramble around and make plays with his feet off schedule, I think it's offensively, I think it's fairly sustainable. The other thing that was encouraging for the Minnesota Vikings is they have been absolutely dreadful in their wide zone approach. And I think there's been a couple of reasons. One, I don't think they blocked the line of scrimmage very well first. They're almost too eager to get to the second level. Two, um, I thought the backs, the entry points of the backs has not been good. So, like, there's a there's a specific, if you're running wide zone, mid zone, there's a specific entry point that you want to be able to hit that create either I press that or I cut back. Um, I just think they have not been great on their tracks. And so Kevin O'Connell did something last week that he normally doesn't do. He got into more gap system, like more – power, um, you know, duo, some other things that are, are more gap-related. Um, and I thought they I thought they ran the ball. Their double teams were much better. Their double teaming, instead of to comboing to a front side, they're double teaming to a backside guy. And it was a, they were able to stay on their backside double teams longer before they got off, which I thought helped them out quite a bit in their run game. All right, let's stop with the uh, Joshua Dobbs love fest for a second. I'm sure uh, Saints fans are like, yeah. Uh, um, let's let's talk about the Saints. Uh, five and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this a case where they are what their record says they are, or is this a team that is five and five, and you get the sense they're underachieving? Mm-hmm. Five and five, overachieving. Yeah. Is there another gear for this team than what we've seen to this point? Um, yeah, I thought I thought rhythm wise, I thought they were playing really go, good going into this game. They lost Michael Thomas really early to a knee injury, so he had to leave the game. Um, I just thought they got out of the. You know, this is so prototypical of teams when they get out of what they do. Um, I just thought there were a couple things, and, and maybe it was, you know, maybe you get out of what you do because you drop early in a in a lead you know they're three three and the next thing you know you give up a couple scores and you're just like we got to scrap pile what we do and I'm like I made note of the game like Alan Kamara is running the heck out of the ball I mean he's averaging five six yards to carry early in that game and it was I think late in the second quarter 
before he caught a ball. He leads the league in, in, in catches. He had 43 going to that game, and he missed the first three games with a suspension. And they didn't throw the ball to him. Like, at what point are you going to start throwing the ball to your leading you know, receiver from the backfield position? So I thought that was like a mistake. The other thing is that run game with Taysom Hill at quarterback is so devastating. And because they were behind, they basically scrap-piled it. And I thought, what a mistake, right? Not only because, like, think about it. You're going to have to, and I did not say this on the broadcast, and, I, you know, I always think back to things that should have come out. Sometimes you get, you know, you got to throw a commercial and you got to throw it to the studio for a game break and you got to do this. But, like, I wish I would have made this point on the broadcast and I didn't, but I'm going to make it here on this podcast. Um, when you have that, that style, that quarterback that can really run the ball. Like, you've got to sell out for that. You've got to treat it like it's a wildcat. you got to sell out and say, hey, man, they've got numbers on us right now. We're selling out on this. You know what that gives you in the back end? It gives you the opportunity to get one-on-one opportunities. And Taysom Hill can throw the ball. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden, you, your, your defense is basically saying, we cannot let you bludgeon us in the run game. And I think there's an opportunity right there that they missed, the Saints did, by not utilizing the quarterback run, that formation, and and letting Taysom Hill not only run the ball but throw the ball out of that. I, I think they missed a big opportunity. And that happens, though, Mike, when you fall behind early and you get duped into just getting out of your game plan. And I think that's a big mistake that the Saints made. And, and that goes back to – that goes back to Pete Carmichael and that offense in general. Um, they've they've got to be better. Anything else from all your Saints prep that uh, you didn't get a chance to um, throw out that you you might like to get I, out? Well, now I, I, you know I think Paulson Adebo and and this was he is playing at a All Pro Pro Bowl type of level at the cornerback position. Um, Marshawn Lattimore went out with, a, with an angle injury, but I think this defense is really good. The the one thing that concerns me about this defense more than anything else is I think inside um, the defensive tackle position, they have not made the plays. One of the plays they really miss is um, guys playing for Atlanta right now in David Onyemata, and uh, they miss the physicality of that guy inside, and it shows a little bit with their lack of they lack a real punch on the inside. Um, uh, although I, I will say this, Malcolm Roach came in and played a lot in the second half, and I thought he was probably their best player inside. So we'll see exactly kind of how that uh, plays out. So where are you at with the Saints? You've got their next game is against the Falcons, both teams with a bye. Yeah. And you got the Saints at 5-5, at five and five, just despite losing this game. They still lead the division. Yeah. Tampa's at 4-5, and five, Atlanta's at 4-6. and six. Uh, your message to to Saints fans: uh, Relax. You're you're still the best team in the in the division. Or what is that message? Yeah, my message is: uh, You may win this division at eight and nine. Um, so you're going to win the division. They're I think they're the best team in that division. I think Tampa is. You know, I think Tampa's Tampa. Even though I think Tampa Tampa did beat the Saints earlier in the season, but um, you're to me, you're the best team in in the division. Um, Derek Carr had been playing really, really good. He got knocked out of that game. He hurt his shoulder. He got concussion. So, but, um, he'll be back. He's a tough dude. Um, and like I said, I think offensively they're starting to find their rhythm. I was just disappointed in 
scrap piling your game plan in the first quarter or early second because um, you're down. Like, Why do so many teams do that? You you talk about this. You lament this all the time that yeah. teams, coaches seemingly look for excuses, throw up their hands, look for excuses to to get away from the game plan. Yeah. Why? Um, Why the panic? I think I think there's several things. They they look at you know they've been duped into believing, um, and you hear this all the time. You say it all the time. It drives me crazy. Um, it must be true then. Yeah, no, it's not true. Um, oh, you know, points come in the passing game. Oh. We got to throw the ball. We got to yeah, throw the ball more. We got to. Yeah, that's not true. Um, no. Pass to score, pass to win. Pass to score, pass to win. Yeah. Oh, how'd that work for the for the Chargers versus? Uh, Detroit. Oh yeah, if you want to find any one example here and there, I'm talking about. Okay, how about overall. Houston versus Cincinnati? I can find. I, I just found two examples in Sunday. They threw for 330 yards. Who did? Houston. Yeah, they ran it for. Uh, they ran it for 188 yards. Cincinnati ran it for 60. Mm-hmm. Who won the Who won the game between the Chargers and Detroit and Cincinnati and Houston? Give me the team that had the most yards rushing. I'll show you who the winner was. Sure, if you want to. Pick and if choose. you want to, I'm just talking about the overall. I'm talking about the overall league. What ultimately wins in this league? Running the ball. Ultimately, running the ball. To, being able to throw the ball. Running the ball, setting the physical tone. Let's just look at. Let, I mean, I'm just every team that. So, right. so Pittsburgh's your model team then. Pittsburgh's your model team because they don't. They can't pass, but they can. They can run the football. So you must. You must think Pittsburgh's the best team in football. Okay. Well, who won that game? Pittsburgh did. Yeah, Pittsburgh had how many yards rushing? Over 200. What did what did Oh, you mean the Green Bay only had about 100? They've doubled them up and run even right, though I'll, I'll tell you what stink. I'll okay. give you Pittsburgh and I take the rest of the AFC field, okay? What do you say? Well, Since I mean, you love the way Pittsburgh plays. I mean, well, 100 205 yards rushing versus 116. So far, every Well, team, then take the bet. Every team that we have talked about, let's see who run, won the rushing battle between the Saints and Minnesota. Okay, let's see. Uh-huh. The Saints had let wait. Oh, uh, the Saints had yards rushing 65. Oh, versus 125 to Minnesota. Huh, weird. That worked out. Let's see about the <laughs> the Niners and and uh, the Jaguars. Let's see what who won that rushing battle. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Uh, rushing yards. The Jags had 59. Oh, the uh, 49ers had almost 150. Okay, weird. Um, is this the point where I should tell them, folks, that who the defending Super Bowl champs are and how they how they tend to win? Oh, but they, who, you know, who outrushed the other team in that game? You want to look it up? Oh yeah, that's the reason they won. Oh, let's look it up. <laughs> I know. Look I up. know. I know. Let's when, look it up. I know when they lost to Tampa, they refused to run the ball in that particular game. Uh huh. That's not look it up. It's yeah, you know what? Fine. Bottom line, I'm right. You're wrong. I'm smart. You're dumb. I'm big. You're little. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's the way it works. Well then, hey, give me the AFC field, and you can take Pittsburgh. No, that was. I'm, I'm just talking about the games. There's other teams in the AFC that run the ball better than Pittsburgh. Yeah, but Pittsburgh can't throw the ball. That's why I'm saying there's a, there's a ceiling they're going to bump into because they can't throw the football. They can throw the football. They mm. just don't. They they choose not to throw it. Ask George Pickens. They choose. Not, I, I will not ask a wide receiver about throwing the. It, I will not ask <laughs> any wide receiver. I don't think you'd ask a wide receiver his advice on anything. No. 
I don't like wide receivers. They right. should they should play defense. Right. Um, so your message to Saints fans? <laughs> My message to Saints fans: you're going to win the division. Right. You're going to win the division, and I think defensively, you guys are. You know, you, obviously injuries notwithstanding, Lattimore. When does he come back? But I think I think defensively, you're still a really good, good football team. So anyhow, and you'll win that. I think you'll win that division going away. Go, well, going away. Yeah, well, by I mean, eight, a, like a game couple, or two. Yeah, game right. or two. But you think eight and nine might win that division? It may. It might. It may win that division. Yeah, I mean that that division is uh, not good. <laughs> that division is not a good division. Anyhow, for everybody involved in the Sink Truth Podcast, for the sorry, y'all podcast, had to watch mommy and daddy fight there. But yeah, well, I mean, but daddy, no, I don't want to say because I did crush you in that little. Tech we had. Yeah. You're used to it. Uh, for everybody involved, I'll have the last Everybody involved in the Secret Podcast. We'll be back with you later in the week. Uh, thank you for everybody involved in the, the Leftovers Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of it. Please subscribe and uh, hang out with us some more. Uh, for Mike, I am Mark. We'll talk to you guys later on in the week.